1: Michael Porter Jr. But I'm gonna make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Forrest inside. Jokic put it out. Jokic 23 and
0: Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from milehighsports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, and this is going to be an awesome podcast. You know, I don't always say that, but Kendra Andrews of The Athletic joined me to talk about Game Two, and she brought the heat in this one. She had some seriously awesome topics that she wanted to hit on. We filibustered across all different kinds of topics for the Denver Nuggets, as well as how it pertains to Game Two. And then looked ahead to game three. It was awesome. Seriously. Like I enjoyed this conversation more than I've had on almost any of my podcasts. Um, A lot of this was about how great Michael Malone has been, and I want that to be a focal point because Michael Malone has gotten the short end of the stick quite a bit, but what he has been able to do, especially already in this Clippers series, but even going back a long ways as we talk about in this show, he's been truly phenomenal. We also spoke about Jeremy Grant's defense, Gary Harris's defense, Jamal Murray's offense and his scoring, Nikola Jokic taking control of the game, Kawhi Leonard's struggles, Paul George's struggles, what worked for Denver, and so many other topics. It was truly one of my favorite podcasts i've done it went really really well and i thought there was a lot to take away from it so hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we had fun recording it it definitely got a little weird at times and talked about bird versus supercomputers and all kinds of weird shit but it was truly fun and there was a lot of interesting takeaways that i thought that existed and you get to hear us probably be wrong about game three when we make some wild predictions and i put my biggest hot take prediction out into the world Before I go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by DoorDash. It's also brought to you by NFLSundayTicket.tv and Bet Online. In addition to all of that, you just heard about Greg Olson's show, Tight End 1, which is brought to you by Chevrolet. They are awesome. He just had Shannon Sharp on his show to be able to talk about the intricacies of the tight end position for the Blue Wire Podcast Network. So please go subscribe to that show, and then we're going to take our first quick break now so I can give you a quick couple words about DoorDash. You've been counting on restaurants your entire life, especially if you're like me and you just happen to love food. Now, those same restaurants are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle and Wendy's and the Cheesecake Factory as well as many of your favorite local restaurants who are also on DoorDash for delivery as well just open the DoorDash app select your favorite local spot and boom your food is on the way right now our listeners of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast and any Blue Wire podcast can get $5 off and zero delivery fees for their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. And I am blessed to be, I'm going to start calling you friend of the show now. I think you have like <laughs> wow. promoted yourself to that level in this podcast. I've never
1: been a friend of a show before.
0: <laughs> that is Kendra Andrews, lead beat writer of for, for the Denver Nuggets at The Athletic. Great work as always. She's going to have a great Thank story you. tomorrow that I'm going to hype up too much. So it's oversold. So when everybody go reads it, they're always like, wait, this isn't what TJ told me was coming, but still it's going to be fun. There's so many good things that happened in this game for the Nuggets. And really, Kendra and I have no notes. We're literally just out here really bullshitting about what happened in this game too. And I'm kind of looking forward to that. So instead of just trying to pretend like I have any plan here, what was something very interesting to you?
1: Gary Harris's offense is back. (laughs) And and, I mean, we can't even say that it's just been missing for the couple games that he was uh, played in against the Jazz. It had been missing for maybe six months before the season stopped. You know, Gary Harris became pretty much a non-factor on offense Mm -hmm. for the Denver Nuggets. And it is huge that he is knocking down shots the way he did tonight. I mean...
0: It's yeah, exactly what
1: needs. Was he four of seven tonight from three? Yeah, four of seven tonight from
0: three. All of his makes came from distance.
1: I mean, after not playing for five months, who's, who would think that he's going to be the one to be hitting shots? You know, I've I've said this multiple times to different people, but for this team to make it a series or at least like have a chance against the Clippers, they're going to need guys like Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, and Gary Harris to hit their open shots because those are three obviously huge defensive players. But those are guys who can be two-way players. They have that ability, and they need to show that they are two-way players. And, you know, in game one, Jeremy Grant showed a bit of that in the first quarter. Game two, Gary Harris showed a little bit of that sprinkled throughout the night.
0: So this is my take about Gary Harris. And I've had this going back to before the season resumed. So at, so when the All-Star break came and went, Gary Harris returned from, I can't remember which of the lower body injuries he had, but he came back from one of the lower body injuries that he had. In those like eight games that he played before the season, maybe it was 10, I can't remember. It was like a hmm. year and a half ago, it it's feels like now. It's been a long month. <laughs> he shot 72% from the corners and 53% overall from three. I was watching Gary Harris after finally being rested, after finally being able to come back and be healthy and to be mm-hmm. able to get his legs back under him. And when his shot started falling, he got a rhythm for the first time in so long. So my big thing was, okay, if this is not not 50%, not 72 from the corners or whatever, if Gary can hit open three-pointers, it fundamentally changes the way that you have to defend this Nuggets team. And mm-hmm. it stretches the floor so much because he's a more threatening shooter than Monte Morris when they're going in. And he's also able to kind of reverse the, the court like Monte Morris is where okay you're overloading on Jamal Murray let's kick it back to Gary have palm milap side of the screen and run off on something in front of the court Gary being able to do both of those things while also being incredible defensively on Paul George you can't replicate that you can't find that, they don't grow on trees that is the whole first team thing that they talk about when they yep. mention Gary all the time it's so important to realize that Gary Harris has always had this but mm-hmm. he never really showed he never got a rhythm, he was always getting hurt he was in and out of the lineup so I really think that that
1: might be the biggest difference here is he's just playing Yeah, and you know this is the thing too, I think in this is going to be really helpful for gary harris you now have a guy like uh michael porter jr who's in the rotation he's playing more they don't need gary harris Mm -hmm. to be the third scorer he doesn't need to have that role anymore. it can be picked up by michael porter jr you know maybe it's monte morris's night maybe it's paul mills like there's so many other guys who can take on that third scorer role at any given night yeah but it's not on, like on him to do that. And I think that that would allow him or will allow him to shoot so much more freely to move more freely to just let his offensive game con- come to him because there's not the pressure of that on him. And I think that that's just going to make, make his offense come way easier for him. He's not going to be forcing anything because I'm guessing Michael Malone has told them, we don't expect you yeah. to go off and shoot. So we don't need you to, so do what you do. And we're good with that.
0: And I think one of the most encouraging things is that they aren't defending him. Like they were like, Gary, stand in the corner. Don't give a shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) Which, again, I would do the same thing if I'm Doc Rivers. It makes sense. But when he starts hitting them, and I think what that did is one, it gave Gary Harris the room, the openness to get into a rhythm. Mm -hmm. But now he is like, okay, I'm showing these guys. I'm reproving myself. I am a good shooter. And -hmm. the confidence that's building, like Gary Harris flashed his watch today. Before his press conference. And like I love but I love when Gary Harris has swagger like that. Like he needs a little bit more of that. We've always talked about how this Nuggets team is just too um the word is soft. The word is we're just gonna allow these things to go as they go, and we're not really going to um they're not going to force anything. They're not gonna pretend that they can emotionally shift this game. But Gary Harris kind of did that, and Jamal Murray has
1: kind of done that, and they were scrappy tonight. When were the Nuggets ever scrappy? The Nuggets are never scrappy. And I think Gary Harris gave them the scrappiness. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you said about Jamal Murray. What you saw in game five against the Jazz is that Jamal Murray was the heart and soul Mm -hmm. of the team that game. That was Gary Harris this game. He provided the heart, the soul, that we can do this. And I think when the Nuggets have one guy that d- does that, they're all like, well, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, finally it's stuff- not me. <laughs> Wipe
0: my hands clean, let you go cook. And like, and, and Nikola Jokic will say that. Like, you'll ask him how Jamal Murray played or what worked well with the offense. He goes, Jamal was hitting everything, so I was just giving him the ball. And like right. the Nuggets have a into that. But also that's a problem. And this was a problem I had in game one, is mm-hmm. that Jamal Murray cooked everybody in the Utah series. Jamal Murray was Michael Jordan for like four games, whatever. That was not gonna happen in game one. He was too tired mm-hmm. and the coaches were to overload the hell out of him, Nikola Jokic did not take over. It's true, he did well. I'm not saying he was bad, but you need your best player, your all NBA center, to take over this game. Man, Jokic was like, No fucking way, I am yeah. going to assert myself immediately.
1: He had 24 no. and 10 at halftime. At halftime, I mean, it's like again, we go back to the aggressiveness or the the uh. Swagger. Like, the, the intensity slager. they play uh, with. My 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 colleague Nick Cosmatter texted me and said they proved that they can do some nasty tonight. Do like, some nasty. <laughs>
0: I hate when Nick, I, I, okay, I'm gonna rant here for a second. I love Nick to death, but his dad jokes have gotten worse and have multiplied since having a child. And I I'm just of like,
1: it. I was oh. like, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Go back to your point.
1: <laughs> my point was just like, he, in game one on defense, for example, uh, Nicole Jokic. You know he'd get the 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 primary defender would get blown by and he would be standing in the paint and you wouldn't think that he is a seven foot guy who Mm -hmm. can like body some people he just kind of like jumped out of the way he wasn't assertive he wasn't aggressive he kind of just let it happen and tonight exactly what you said he was like yeah no there was so much fight yeah in this Nuggets team they took the aggressive level they met the Clippers at their, at their level. And like, that's what, and the things that's what they need to do. They can't just have this as a one game Well, we did it. So we proved that we can do it. It has to be a sustained thing. And that's going to take a lot of effort from the Nuggets team. And I think I, I am really interested in this. This might be jumping around to really all, but that's all we're doing
0: tonight. But at this Jam-
1: point, so. and, and Jamal was asked this pre- post game and I was actually going to ask him the same thing, but someone beat me to it is, you guys had a one day turnaround in between game seven and game one and they came out in game one and looked flat as a board. Yeah. They had one day in between game one and game two. And all of a sudden, if it was energy, if that if energy was the issue in game one, which I'm sure it was part of the issue, but they ne- they didn't get any more yeah. rest. So what was it in game two that all of a sudden this end and I think it's cause they asserted themselves and they really tried and they mustered up that energy and they created it for themselves. But it just goes to show like, it's not like they're going to now get two days off. It's like this energy is going to have to be a constant for them from here on out. And I'm curious if they can do it.
0: Yeah. This, 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 bubble play reminds me of like wild card baseball. Like it's all about who gets hot when because you are playing so quickly, you're playing on the same court, you're not traveling has everything to do with your momentum and I really feel like the Nuggets, and maybe this is just me being like way too optimistic but (laughs) the Nuggets were at their absolute worst in game one against the Jazz and I don't think I've ever seen them play this physically this season as they did tonight against the Clippers. I agree. Seeing their progression from game one against the Jazz to now game two against the Clippers is so beyond encouraging to me. Because they were dead in the water. I wrote that they were frauds after game two
1: when yeah, they I, gave up. I like, was sitting, I was I was. Was with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the way that this team responded showed a different level of toughness that we had not seen from them. And not only mentally, but physically. Like, Mason Plumlee was trying to kill people tonight. Like, oh, yeah. seeing that kind of physicality, not dirty physicality, none of it no. was dirty. Just, no. you gonna to have to fucking feel us and it's not yeah. gonna be easy for you that was so big in my opinion
1: well talking yeah I mean you just said it's not easy for, for us you know making it hard on the clippers and stuff and I'm just looking at the per, shooting percentages of the clippers tonight as an individual basis and I mean like you look at the numbers Kawhi Leonard four of 17 Marcus Morris senior three of nine Yvika Zubak six of eight. Paul George, 7 of 19. Yep. Lou Williams, 6 of 16. They made it really, really difficult. Now, <laughs> it was it was did, did Kawhi Leonard only hit four field goals only because of the Nuggets defense? I think no. that the Clippers were having a very off-shooting night. Yeah. But that being said, still on a Kawhi Leonard off-shooting night, he's still usually at least – gets more than maybe four field yeah. goals so there's definitely something to be said about just and, and from the top down every single player like that like that's huge for the nuggets to be able to make it so hard and that's the thing you're not all, you're not really going to be able to eliminate Kawhi Leonard or Paul George it's about making it hard for them and not letting them just get whatever they want which you know, that like in game one, I think Jeremy Grant did a good job on Kawhi, but he obviously still got yeah, Kawhi was everything just he wants. But at least tonight you made him, he, he didn't get off and they made it really hard on him.
0: I totally agree. And let's, let, let's build off of this defense a little bit more. Cause that's what we really need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna be riding on Gary Harris and Jeremy Grant's defense from Mile High Sports. we will see it up in the morning. But when I talked, when I asked Michael Malone about it after the game, he gave credit to Gary Harris and Jeremy Grant. Let's be very clear: mm-hmm. like this was not mm-hmm. happening without them. No. It wasn't just them mm-hmm. having the back end defensive work that Paul Millsap had, that Jamal Murray had, that all like even Monte Morris had some incredible rotations. Michael Porter Jr. too. He flew mm-hmm. around on defense tonight. The level of locked in and attentiveness tonight on defense was spectacular, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I completely agree. I mean, first off, quick, not even a starter, just Paul Millsap, best game that we've seen from him since the season resumed, like, unbelievable. But, I mean, completely. I I think every single one of them understood, you know, Michael Malone made such an emphasis to us. So when he makes some of the big point to us, (laughs) you know that he is, like, drilling it into his players' heads the need for help defense and how there was none. Yeah. Pretty much none None, of that in game one. And so I think the nuggets really understood, you you know, he's right. We are not going to beat this team one-on-one. Every single person needs to give what they can, even if it's a guy like Michael Porter, who's obviously not known for his defense, he still can play defense. So give us the defense that you can play at least give effort on it. And I think every single person bought into that so easily because they knew that if they wanted to beat the Clippers, they had to do that. And I think they also knew, even though, I mean, you know, usually game three is the, is the big change because you're either down to zero and you're want to make it to one or you know, you're 1-0. But I think, I don't know, in my opinion, this game was one of the most important games for the Nuggets. I think if they wanted to make this a series, they had to win this game and get themselves in the fight. And I think the players knew that too, and I don't think that they were going to let this game go as easily as they did game one.
0: Yeah, when I had Lucas Han of 2 and 3 Hoops on the podcast to preview this series, he said that game two was going to be the most important because Mm -hmm. everybody knew the Nuggets were just going to be dead. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't come off of an emotional game seven like that. And not only just emotional basketball-wise, Jamal Murray playing with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd on his shoes Mm -hmm. and not giving him the power to get through, like, that – the amount of taxation that that takes on somebody mentally is something I don't think I'll ever understand. So to shift from that to game one, it was never something that you could expect from the Nuggets to come out just firing away. So I kind of threw game one away. It's all what the Nuggets Same. did too. So game two, this fight, this resiliency, this ability to even it up against a team that is a championship contender and do it in the face of adversity after such a tough series, that is what shows everything about Absolutely. this. Absolutely.
1: And it, and it sets everything else up because right now you're zero, you're zero, zero again. Yep. It's, a, it's a clean slate at this point. First of three. First of three. Exa- exactly. Like you're from here on out. It's okay. Game one doesn't mean anything. If you were down two zero, yeah. Game one meant something. Yeah. Game one means nothing at this point. That team was not like, they're forgetting about that. And we know that they are not like, yeah. they're Jamal- building off of.
0: I said that tonight. He kind of like yeah. mentioned the fact that they were just like, yeah, we had to flush that one.
1: Yeah, and it, like it makes sense, and especially when you come out like this, you know you're not gonna you're gonna say okay, what did we do in game two that worked for us, and let's build off of that. And it just sets them up for so much more. Like the, the possibility of success is just so much greater. And you know what, what that means for the next game, who knows? But like they're just starting off on a at a higher starting point than they were in game yeah. one.
0: I want to give a shout out to Michael Malone because for so long coaching is just the fall guy and like whenever anything goes wrong in the playoffs it's like, what the hell Michael Malone and it's infuriating to me and I'm fucking done with it so I want to point this out the Nuggets were getting killed because Ivica Zubac was so good defending the rim in game one like Jamal Murray could not get to the rim if you could get mm. around these guys that were switching on to him in the first place but when he did get there it was who was a one of the most underrated rim protectors in basketball tonight Michael Malone didn't only adjust and make Nikola Jokic pop like he did against rudy gobert to pull zoo out of the paint but when the clippers were like all right you know what you know do that fine we're putting zoo on paul Millsap, and we're mm-hmm. gonna ta- we're gonna let him roam wherever he wants paul Millsap then hit two threes in a row immediately because michael malone called a timeout and adjusted on the fly and had paul Millsap pop those are the mm-hmm. kinds of playoff series winning
1: adjustments that you need from a head coach Exactly. And you know, with that adjustment, it's actually something that I talked about with my colleague Yovan Buha, who covers the Clippers Jovan's for SF great, The Athletic. Man. Yeah, he's great. You should definitely go read his work. And we talked about it heading into the series about that center matchup. And and he and he literally said, and I agreed with him, to take advantage of that, that center matchup, Jokic needs to shoot threes. Yep. Because Zubox isn't as com- he's not a comfortable perimeter defender. Yep. And if you have a big guy, whether that's Jokic, whether that's Paul Millsap, if you can get them to shoot threes and hit threes, that is how you're going to take advantage of the Clippers. And Michael Malone recognized that, and he jumped on it as soon as he could. And he has trusted his big guys are going to hit shots, and like they did. Like like yeah. you said, that is like a great in-game adjustment. And I think, you know, I think in in, in the Jazz series we didn't see as many in-game adjustments yeah. and well, there I think not need to make
0: to be fair i want to give true. malone
1: credit on that one that was oh, just yeah a good show. and and i and i just but i just think that like it yes I, i'm agreeing with you that he's doing the right things <laughs> that they
0: started the, they started this game doing exactly that like Nikola Jokic hit four threes in the first quarter but after the first one Jamal Murray got like three straight buckets at the rim and he couldn't do that at all in game one to see them already able to create those better looks at the rim was so encouraging again that Michael Malone has the ability to adjust that way so quickly and to have a counter for the next adjustment that he can then predict from Doc Rivers who's a phenomenal coach who has been to finals and one finals and been to more playoff games than i can conceive of so that's uh, so encouraged by michael malone so encouraged by jamal murray um we've already filibustered what is something else because now that we have already kind of morphed this far forward what was something else that kind of stood out to you that doesn't really pertain to what we've talked about
1: man actually
0: you know what i'm still on the floor let's talk about michael porter jr yeah Michael Porter jr's offense tonight gave me a heart attack, and I might have potentially had my beard grow a little bit grayer, but he was good like Michael Porter Jr was chaotically awesome, and that's so
1: I, helpful. I feel like Mike tonight's game for Michael Porter was kind of the Michael Porter that we saw a lot of. During the regular season, when his minutes weren't as consistent, and what I mean by that is that, like you said, it was a little chaotic, but in a good way, he was all you know. He was on the boards. He was getting offensive rebounds. He was putting. He was getting a like second chance points. Yeah, four and, offensive and, and, rebounds tonight. Exactly. He was just doing the the just flying around. And when he wasn't getting consistent minutes, that's what Michael Malone wanted him to do. And so it's, it was kind of nice actually (laughs) to see him as crazy as it was still like he learned that he can still have an impact on this game without being that third score, that second score, that first score, whatever it is. He knows that he can put, have a effect on the game just by being on the floor. And I think that when he first started, he couldn't, really do that he didn't know how to do that and so I think tonight was was a good crazy night from him where he he did he did add things I
0: get to talk about Michael Malone again, and I'm excited. We oh would goodness. not get this version of Michael Porter Jr. if he was just handed a role to start the season. No. This is why he did not play early in the year. He had to learn the role that he has to play, and now he is helping the Nuggets against the Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. Like, people... Again, people love giving coaches as the fall guys, but there's nothing that I can say Michael Malone did wrong with Michael Porter Jr. in the regular season with retrospect Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. It was easy in the middle of the season to be like, what the hell? Play your 6'11 freak shooter. Like, why aren't you doing that? But... This makes sense to me, and I have no issues anymore, no qualms with how Michael Malone did this. And he yeah. started this from media day, which seems, again, like 18 months ago because it actually was. He was. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Malone said, we're not going to give him anything. He's going to mm-hmm. have to earn this, and he's earned all of it, and he's playing the right kind of role now. If Malone didn't take this path, Michael Porter Jr. would have never bought it.
1: No. And, you know, I I, I recently spoke with uh, Michael Porter's father, Michael Porter Senior, and his AAU coach and his high school coach. And it's actually funny when I spoke with his AAU coach, who, of course, also coached, <laughs> yeah. you know, Trey Young and all, the, all these great NBA players. He said, you know, when I when I first met Michael Porter as an eighth grader, so that's mm-hmm. what, 13 years old, Michael Porter told him he wanted to be the best basketball player in the country. And his coach watched him play for a little bit. Rodney Perry is, is his AAU coach. And he said, we, if he wanted to be the best player in the country, that kid needed to learn how to play some defense. Yes. <laughs> and he made him work for that defense. And that's exactly what Malone is doing. They know what potential this kid has in him. But they know that he, like, and, and Rodney Perry said, when he told Michael Porter Jr. that, MPJ was pissed. Yeah. He was like annoyed. He didn't want to work on it, but he made him. And that's exactly what Michael Michael Malone did too and it's it's what you need to do. Like it's and it's and it's it's working. And I think the ceiling for Michael Porter Jr. is insanely high.
0: Yeah. And I think Michael Malone might be the coach to really get him there. And there's so many things that Michael Malone still needs to improve on. I'm not going to sit here and like wax poetic that Malone is perfect. Like it's fundamentally not true. Like when you're playing Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee together for stretches of time, like you're not necessarily thinking everything through and that's fine. Everyone has blind spots, but he has shown that he does not have as many as we thought. And this is the most important thing. He's a player's coach. He can he connect totally to his guys. And not in terms of just like, let's just say yes to the players. He knows how to get the most out of them.
1: Right. Well, I was even thinking, and this just popped into my head very randomly for some reason as you were talking about how Malone might be the guy to like take uh, MPJ to that next level's Malone has worked with really young superstars in the making before. He worked with Stephen Curry before he was the two-time MVP. He worked with Klay Thompson before he was an all-star when he was on the Warriors uh, staff with with Mark Jackson. Like, he has been around young stars in the making and has been been part of a coaching staff that has at least helped untap that potential. And so I think he truly does understand, like, and can see it can see what a player has huh. and is let like, figure out what do we need to do to say? And of course it's different with every player. Of course, but he has enough experience. If he to he has through experience what's with these guys to figure it out with the Warriors and this Steph Curry is Curious, okay, point. let's get, let's get rid of Monte Ellis and let Steph Curry shine. Of course that's not what they're going to do with the nuggets because they're very, but he, I think he can see okay, what what will work with each player? With Michael Porter Jr., it's a little bit of tough love and making him earn everything. And I think just having that experience is really, I think it's going to do wonders for Michael Porter Jr. in the long run.
0: Nobody. Made this point this is a phenomenal point Kenny like through you Just I don't usually compliment you, never you. Call me <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> I don't I don't usually compliment you this like I don't even know what the term is it is like gratuitously but like I literally haven't like I have never heard this before I have never even thought about it but <laughs> Michael Malone has coached LeBron James from a young age Steph Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green like the list of different kinds of mental approaches to the game different skill sets he found a way to not only get them all to buy in to all buy into defense.
1: Jeez, I'm going to don't this steal is my crazy story. <laughs> Don't okay I, I'm not
0: going to I'm like truly kind of like befuddled over here right now like that I didn't realize this it's a phenomenal point but like maybe there is something to that maybe maybe he's had so much time around the superstars of basketball that he knows the right buttons to press
1: and I think you also have to remember and this is part of Malone being a coach's coach his dad was a coach yeah. he's been around the development of players since he was a child and you yeah. just know by the way that Michael Malone acts that when he was probably a teenager college like he would watch his dad coach and mm-hmm. watch how he developed players and so I mean I'm sure that this is just I feel like that's just his bread and butter and yeah. you kind of see that with the way that this with this the way like can't even talk I'm just kidding, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but like this Nuggets team was built from the ground up they drafted Nikola Jokic second round pick they drafted <laughs> Jamal Murray late they drafted Bobo second round pick MPJ and of course a lot of that has to do with Tim Connelly, Arturus, mm-hmm. the front office, yes, but what those players turned into is Malone and the coaching staff, and he's yeah. really built this team, and I think it's, I think it's, it's kind of, it's, it's his thing.
0: Let's take it a step further. They have developed Tori Craig, Monte Morris. Like it's the fact that he—it's not just totally. Malik. He has no. a staff. He has it's not only staff. identified how to help players. He has identified coaches who also know how to an elite level Man, help players.
1: You're making me really excited
0: right now. And, but, it, but this is such an important conversation because everybody totally. gets wrapped up in oh he has no timeouts. Oh Michael Porter Jr. played eight minutes. Oh this. Oh that. I I don't fucking care. There are and, so many things like this that have fundamentally shifted the Denver. Nuggets franchise in a position Mm -hmm.
1: that they have never been been and and I think that's also important to remember for Nuggets fans and just the Nuggets franchise to stay patient yes you know if they don't beat the Clippers if they get to the same work that they got last year it's not time to overhaul this organization and make drastic changes would there need to be changes here and there yes but it's not time to say well screw that we need to go a different direction it's like you have to maintain that patience because it is it is working and it is getting there and there is so much potential with these guys and there's even more there that i think i think can be be untapped
0: it's so interesting because on the backdrop of if you lose to Kawhi leonard who has stopped the two most dynastic teams in nba history then it's okay that's fine if they lose to the jazz in game seven Mm. Let's talk about this. Mm. What does this conversation yeah. shift like? Because this is, I it's, like this conversation because the NBA moves this quickly. Because I think Malone might've been on the hot seat.
1: And, and, right. And, and and that doesn't change any of the characteristics that we just talked about in Malone, but I completely agree that it would definitely change the way he is looked at, mm-hmm. you know, from the outside looking in, because yeah, that was, I think it's really, really hard when it's, you are supposed to win yes. and then you don't, and you don't in a dramatic fashion. You know, if you look at the, you look at the bucks, you yeah. are down three zero to the heat and it's what's happening to bud next year. What's well, like, because like, like yeah. you're just, it, and it's like, but he, he coached to the the best, the team with the best record, but no, but but this, 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 and this. And it's like, well, yeah, because they are supposed to win. They're like, they—they the might be supposed to win this entire thing. They have a chance of that. You're right. So maybe that does raise questions. And so, it's—it's it's really hard. And I mean, that's a, a good perfect question,
0: example about this too. Because the Bucks had Jason Kidd, and they were like, "We're not doing fucking anything right." And it was this like all disaster. And then they were like, "Oh my god, we get Mike Budenholzer <laughs> from the Atlanta Hawks. His offensive brilliance is so great. Everyone was so happy. And now." Here we are. Right. Two years and, later, not even, or well, more actually, because of the hiatus. Yeah. But, but like that's the stuff that it shifts the way we view NBA coaches in the, in the wrong way. The, the Pacers. Yes, the Pacers. Nate McMillan's a phenomenal head coach. He <laughs> exactly. might not be Mike D'Antoni, who is currently coaching the Rockets, by the way. But at the same time, like Nate McMillan's a phenomenal head coach. Like
1: if I'm the New York Knicks, I'm already on the phone calling Nate. Yeah. McMillan. No, it's 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 a. It's a really tricky, like balance and way to look at things because I mean you do need to produce, and it is one of the easiest things to change. It's yeah. easier to fire your coach and then let's search for someone else versus and let's it's cheaper it and it's cheaper, cheaper big than thing. let's pay out all these contracts so we can get rid of all these guys and then bring in like it's it's just an easier way to change things, and it's the least cost cost-effective yeah yes and and but and you know yeah if the nuggets lost to the jazz i do think we'd be having a very different conversation about what malone's future looks like you know i think i and i think if the series i mean the series did go to seven games but i almost feel like if it was like every other game they won lost one lost one lost to get to seven lost really close Maybe that would be different, but, like, they got went down three. If they lost 4-1. That, yeah.
0: If you lose in five, like, there would be ESPN cycles about Michael Malone's job being called for.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Insane. I, I love this conversation to, like, look at the way the NBA shifts. And also, I wanted to give Malone so much credit because he has been much, 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 much better as a head coach than many, many people have given him yeah. credit for in my eyes. Yeah um Holy shit, we went off topic there. Let's look around. Okay, let's talk about Nikola Jokic's offense a little bit more because okay. it went away in the second half entirely. Right.
1: I wasn't concerned. Is that weird? No, I I, I wasn't concerned either. And I don't know when Nikola Jokic goes has a half and he goes away from the second half or. Has a second half, it wasn't there in the first half. I'm not concerned for some reason. It's I just trust games, that he knows what he's doing. But <laughs> the game's when he's not there in its entirety mm. that I am concerned. And he had like he wasn't there in the game. And 26, still...
0: 18, and four assists with three blocks and
1: <laughs> exactly. So I'm not concerned yeah. about yeah. something like that. And I think also, and again, maybe it's because the game wasn't. I mean, it got close-ish near the end. It got to single digits, but it wasn't a nerve-wracking game where I'm like, Jokic needs to show up or else they're going to lose. It wasn't that type of thing. They had other guys hitting shots when they needed them to hit shots. Um, And so I wasn't overly concerned. I mean, he had, like you said, he had a double-double at halftime. 24
0: And, and 10? Are you kidding me?
1: You know, I think... It's insanity. For some reason, and like call me crazy, and again... Jamal had a really good game too. I get more concerned when Jamal goes <laughs> super quiet in the second yes. half than when Nicola goes super quiet yeah. in the second half. Like that made me more like huh, than like when both of them only had two points through like yeah, half of the third quarter. Yeah. I was like,
0: not right here. <laughs> but yeah. I
1: wasn't saying, oh, Nicola. And I don't know why. Like I don't know why that is. What the difference is. But it's just I'm happy I'm works. not the only
0: one. I, I just feel that Nicole is so much smarter than me that I'm just trusting that he knows something. Well, I the do.
1: thing is, <laughs> is that we've seen him go completely dead and then hit the game winner yeah. or go completely dead and then in the last three minutes score 20 points. And so like, I have the faith that it's like, okay, if he needed to turn it on, he could. Yeah. And this is not a knock to Jamal Murray because he has proven that he is incredible. We haven't seen that from him where he can just turn it on in the final two minutes yeah. if he needs to. And I think that's why that makes, it's a little bit more concerning when he doesn't get going later in the game because it's like, well, will he if they need him to? Whereas Nicole, you can kind of count on that no matter what. Yeah.
0: Nicola will be Nicola no matter what. That is just the reality of Nicola. Like he doesn't care. Like again, this comes back to like what Matt Moore always says. Nikola Jokic is a bird. He just does. <laughs> it's all instinct. No, no, no. We have argued for a year about this. Is okay. Nicola Jokic a supercomputer or is he a bird? That is the argument that we have had. Yes. This is how weird we are. But okay. is Nikola Jokic constantly making calculations in his head or is all of this just instinctual?
1: No, that's a, that makes it more. And more that's kind dumb. of what we're
0: talking about. Yeah, I know. It's just Matt Moore and I completely fucking insane. But but like I do believe that Nikola Jokic is a bird in that regard. Like he's all instincts. He doesn't do things based on what is needed or what he thinks he should do. He just does. And mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing because that makes me feel comfortable that when he kind of just goes by the wayside, that there's a reason for that. And I trust mm-hmm. him in that. And honestly, I mean he had almost a twenty twenty tonight, so who gives a shit? <laughs> um oh, okay, last thing. Jeremy Graham. Have it was one of nine from the field tonight, and it could not have mattered less. Is there any but okay? I'm gonna ask you it this way. In 2020-21 season, Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant is the blank most important player on the Nuggets. Third, fourth, fifth, where does he stack? Well,
1: like in the season no, or in the season? Series. in terms of
0: just like roster construction going into next season.
1: I mean, I think he's pretty I think he's pretty important.
0: Give him a number, Kendra. Don't dance around this politically. Sound like Michael Malone filibustering right now. <laughs> you know, I was about to make a. Jeremy's very good.
1: <laughs> I was about to make a joke, but I was that I decided not to. I don't want to get anyone mad at me. Um, <laughs> oh, you can't get more um, mad at you than they get at me. Yeah, it's okay. Like, anyway, um, back to the question. At yes. hand. Um, I mean, I think. Okay, I'm gonna give you a precursor that's give okay an okay answer. okay i think that jeremy grant is the third most important player in this series okay okay in this season i think he's probably like fifth
0: really see i'm going into next fifth. season thinking he's third i'm genuinely at that point he's not the third most talented like michael porter jr is more talented and he might end up being more impactful jeremy grant gives the nuggets a type of skill set that doesn't exist. You don't find forty percent three point shooting and rim protection from their weak side. You cannot like it's Serge Ibaka, Chris Daps, Anthony Davis, Jeremy. Right. And, and that's that, basically that. the list.
1: And that's very fair. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day when when he was he when he was introduced the, with the Nuggets again like ten years ago. It <laughs> feels like like Tim Connolly said the reason they liked him is because of his versatility. Mm-hmm. And what he can do and how many positions he can play how many positions he can defend and i think that especially in like in this series like he needs to do all of that and he has been and that's why when you said he was one for nine tonight and it couldn't matter less it's because it couldn't matter less like Mm -hmm. he still had a huge impact on the game because You know, that's like the Nuggets didn't need him to score points. They needed him to slow down Kawhi Leonard. And that is what he did. If other guys weren't hitting shots, yeah, it would have been good for him to hit a couple shots. He did the last game. I mentioned Gary Harris this game. Like, if those guys hit shots, bam, whole different series. But when Gary Harris is hitting shots, Jeremy Grant doesn't need to. Like, it would be nice. The he thing. doesn't, right. It would be nice. He doesn't need to. And like, I mean. God, he's been so good. <laughs> like watching, like, I, cool. this is another, another
0: interesting thing. When last year, when he was on the Thunder, which again, seems like forever ago, they played the Spurs in the first round. You want to know who was hurt for that series? Paul George. You want to know who defended Kawhi Leonard for the, for the Thunder? It was Jeremy Grant. This is not the first time he has been asked to pick up the, the opposing team's best player.
1: No, absolutely not. And I think that he, he's used to it. He expects the coaching staff to ask him to do that. And, like, I'm sure that he went to Michael Malone and said, this is what worked last season. How can we fit that yeah. into our schematics and what we do here? And Michael Malone, was, as a coach coach's coach, is probably like, tell me more. Like, yeah, <laughs> What do I not know? Let's go, get, man. How do we get the film from OKC? Like, <laughs>
0: They got synergy, which I no longer have, so they can just come, they can kind of fuck off with exactly. all their ability to watch film. But it's so true though, like it was incredible how smothering he was in this game. It was really out of this world. Same thing with Gary Harris, but let's move on to game three real quick, just real quick. Okay, yeah. what, let's just give predictions. I don't even know what the hell I'm thinking about in terms of like hey. matchups yet. What are you initially thinking in terms of game three prediction? There's no way the Clippers
1: are going to shoot as poorly as they did in game two. I agree. I I mean, that's that's, that's the first thing that I think about. Because like I said before, as good as their defense was tonight, the Nuggets defense against the Clippers, the Clippers did no favors for themselves. I don't don't think they're going to be as self-deprecating in game three as they were in game two. So I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than this game. I think game three might be the first... Actual game we see yeah. where both teams are act- like it could actually be a fight because, like I said, yes, it got into single digits late in this game, but. They never really got back into it. Even when they were coming back, the momentum still felt like it was on Denver's. It was side. just
0: Denver shooting themselves in the foot. It had nothing to do with 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 what the clip exactly.
1: Was. And so I think that Game Three really has the potential to be the first time we see we see these two teams battle. And I think that that's really going to give us a better idea of what the matchup actually looks like. Because I don't know about you, but I I don't really know. I agree. Like. Off of the first game, we can identify what the Nuggets should not be doing. Yes. <laughs> Off of this game, we can identify what they absolutely should be doing. But like I said to you before recording this, it's really easy to say, oh, well, to beat the Clippers, yeah, the Nuggets have to score 44 points in a quarter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, like, Kawhi Leonard to four of 17. No, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> like, no. You know what I mean? So I think it's going to be the first time we can actually say, okay, this is really what is going to work against this team when they are both playing, maybe not even at their best, but at a more level playing field. Exactly. So who wins? Miss Non-Prediction. I know. I hate giving predictions. I'm gonna drag
0: you into this. You're gonna well, have to. I'm do- gonna
1: well I'm <laughs> gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my original prediction for the series. I said that the Clippers were gonna win in five. Oh wow. So, so if yeah, the Nuggets if the Nuggets won tonight, and I did I did think the Nuggets were going to win game two, Me just too. not like that, <laughs> but yeah. I did think they were going to win game two, but I'm, if I'm sticking with my in five, I'm going to have to give it to the Clippers, but I mean, depending on how what happens to our night, I could change my overall series yeah. prediction, but I'm still leaning towards Clippers in 5 or 6 but I'll still give it to us. Let's, Let's get that. hot takey. Let's get super hot takey. If the Nuggets win
0: tomorrow, if they win game 3, they're winning the series. That is where I'm at. The momentum will be so real and it will be indicative of a sustained schematic that works. That That's the part that I think is most important to this.
1: And I can com- and I think I completely agree. And, you know, I and I think I would even like would agree with you and s- almost say the opposite of like tonight if they, lo- like, after they got off to such a big lead, and if, if they had lost, that I would say it. the series was over. It's going to be a sweep. But I can agree with you in that if they win game three, there is a there's a very strong possibility that it's going to become a Nuggets, nuggets to the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> How sad would it be to win game seven against the Jazz, somehow miraculously beat the Clippers and be like, here are the Lakers, good luck. it's just so brutal to be in the Western Conference. And I I I have no envy for these players. But I think the Nuggets lose Game 3. If they win, I think that they end up winning the series. But I do think they lose Game 3. We'll have to just wait and see. I got no idea what's
1: going to fucking happen. I don't think you do either. Um, Any parting thoughts? I was going to say, my new motto for 2020 is I've just... Well, it's not even a motto. I just stop predicting things. (laughs) Yes. I just don't even... I don't even try anymore. Mm -hmm. So... I just say take
0: it with a grain of salt with everything (laughs) you say at this point because I don't know. Like at this point, goddamn Orlando could explode into an abyss from a comet. Like I don't even know what's coming at this point. And I've kind of given up pretending that I have any idea what 2020 holds. So I very much so feel you there. Kendra, please, please just tell everybody where they can find your work, where they can find your podcast, all that fun stuff.
1: Please, uh, yeah, go to the uh... Um, athletic yeah, if you haven't heard of it yeah yeah <laughs> you can find me um, under the nba vertical denver under my author profile it's thing. byline. It's like, <laughs> click on my byline it takes the little author profile thing with all my work there
0: i <laughs> you can follow
1: me on twitter kendra two underscores Andrews, because if you heard me on this podcast before, you know why I have two underscores. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Amazing.
0: Oh, and the podcast, the Rainbow Skyline podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to that on anywhere you can listen to podcasts, right? Oh wait, no, you're you're athletic. Oh, Spotify,
1: Apple, Athletic App, all the good stuff.
0: Perfect. And I am TJ McBride, bugging you as always. Thank you, Kendra, so much for hanging out and talking about this game with me. I hope you have a damn good rest of your day. You too. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 50, off of your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday and use promo code Blue Wire. That is promo code Blue Wire in all capital letters. Thank you guys again for sticking around and listening to the show, for taking the time to it really sit through all of the chaos that I end up talking about on this show, thank you to everybody who leaves five-star reviews on iTunes, who shares this podcast on social media, who shares it with their friends, who leaves comments, all of those things. It means the world to me that you guys are able to give so much back and allow me to have this platform to talk about the Nuggets and to have a conversation and to keep this community going. Um, It's really, really deeply enjoyable, and it's something that I hope that I get to do for a very, very long time. So thank you, thank you to every single one of you listeners. Thank you also to DoorDash, to NFLSundayTicket.tv, to Bet Online, to Greg Olson's show Tight End One, which is brought to you by Chevrolet. There are so many cool things that are currently happening in this, in this podcast community that they have created over at the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and I'm truly just blessed to be a part of it. There will be more podcasts coming, especially after Game 3, which is going to be one of the most important games of the season. Thank you again to Kendra Andrews of The Athletic, their lead beat writer. You can find her at on twitter at kendra two underscores andrews to be able to follow her work there also go find it all over the athletic.com and you can also go subscribe to her podcast the rainbow sky uh, the rainbow hoops or rainbow skyline podcast i think man i just had a brain fart sorry to kendra <laughs> um but absolutely one of the best people out there so please make sure you go share everything that she's doing and check out her work because she is phenomenal at- From me, this is all I got to say. Thank you guys so much. I hope you had a great time listening to this show. I hope you're all staying very, very safe. Keep wearing a mask, and we will talk to you guys later. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when, to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.